Welcome to A Whole Load of Property, Business, and Mindset, a podcast bringing together like-minded people who have an interest in all things business, property investing, and personal development, no matter what stage of your journey you're at. And now, here's your host, Dan Cooper. Hi, Jamie. Thanks for coming on the podcast. It's, uh, like I was saying, it's been a long time coming, a few months. Um, but yeah, great to have you on and, and look forward to this episode. Me too, mate. Exciting times. Let's do this. Yeah, definitely. So a lot of people, uh, you know, you've got various followers across all your platforms. A lot of people know your story, but without going into too much detail, you know, where are you from? Who are you? What do you do? Got yeah. Okay, so originally I'm from Southeast um, in Dartford, Kent. And um, yeah, the, the kind of story is get, getting into property, but that many people do watching too many episodes of Homes Under the Hammer, looking at everyone that ignored Martin and Lucy at the time, their advice and still made money. And then I was the sort of person I was like, well, you know, if these people are doing it, ignoring all the advice, then why can't I? I, I knew absolutely nothing, obviously. But it was like, um, yeah, so at uni, started making a bit of money as trading, working every job that I could to get money until um ended up sort of spending loads of it, losing loads of it, until finally a lecturer just said, look, you need to sort your life out, um, long and short of it. And um, he happened to own property up in Burnley in the Northwest. So I was like, yeah, okay, massively inspired by this guy. I had about 20 grand left over um of the money that i've been trading with and all of that and um i found a house up there for twenty one thousand eight hundred pounds which um is probably still worth twenty one thousand eight hundred pounds and not, not that impressive but um yeah and basically i i screwed it all up if i'm honest so you know you, you've you would have heard this line by the the worst house in the best street in the best area right but this was like the worst house in the worst street in the worst area and it was 200 miles away so um, each week, and this was in my final year of uni, and uh, I'd go Monday to Friday at uni, uh, do some cash in hand jobs, drive up in the van, work there in the weekend, sleep in the back of the van, that sort of thing. And about nine months later, I was nearly done. And then somebody broke in and ripped everything out. So they nicked my tools. Heartbreak, mate. It was. And um, they 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 pulled the wires out of the wall from the rewire that I'd done. Um, they'd even dug up the kitchen floor, um, which, which was really weird. But it turns out there's lead in the floor there. So it's worth Old a bit of money. Pipes, yeah. yeah, that's it. So they nicked it all. And um, I, I, I was like, you know what? Maybe property is not for me. Um, you know, maybe it's a lot harder than I thought. And then packed it all in. And then, you know, I moved over. I was in Leeds at the time, still am now. And, um, you know, it's just did odd jobs like recruitment, bit of headhunting, stuff like that, until sort of I decided, you know what, I really do want to do property. I really want to give it a go. Maybe this time I'll go get educated and stop being cocky, right? And um, so I did end up going, paid a load out for education, a lot of the investment in mindset as well. Um, you know, because I'm a big believer in that whole Dr. D Martini line skill set without the mindset will leave you up. So, and so, um, yeah, got my head straight, got educated, and then sort of kicked off. And then, you know, fast that was maybe eight years ago, let's say eight and a half years ago, maybe. Um, and then, yeah, fast forward to today, obviously, got the business, Aspire Property Group, got the education business, and 
we're doing probably about five and a half million a year now um, in turnover. Um, and it's got it's going well. Got a sizable portfolio, and then you know try to sort of give back now and contribute and with the YouTube channel and stuff like that. So that's a very sort of condensed eight and a half years version there. Yeah, I mean, we could probably spend a full hour just doing the history yeah, and, the, and the journey to where you are now. But you know, you said you're from Dartford. Turns out, you know, we went to the same school, and I yeah. um, I attribute going to that school to like wanting to achieve more. So I don't know if you, I think you've told, uh, touched on it on some podcasts, but I remember being in school and, you know, I went from a, a wealthy background, still aren't, and uh, seeing kids in school. I remember someone 70th birthday at, a, at an X5, mm. brand new X5 on their 70th birthday. I'm thinking, fucking hell, like, is that possible? You know, that, like, where's all this come from? Where's this money type thing? And my mum and dad had a bit of a bang. I used to say, yeah, I'll park around the corner, I'll meet you around there. You know, didn't want to get in the car in front of people, but. I never grew up around like wealth until I sort of saw it at that school and I was like, you know, there's got to be more. Like, how do you get get hold of this? And what was your driving factor? What do you attribute to you, you know, wanting to be successful? And, you know, like you say, you've got five and a half million pound in revenue, a sizable portfolio. What what was your sort of contributing factor to trying to achieve that? Yeah, like I, I think it's really important for people to understand there's no like one thing. It's usually a series of events. So... You know, there's that whole nature versus nurture argument, like nature being who you are innately. So I was always a bit of a hustler. I always loved chatting with people, um, you know, which can be looked at as sales, right? Always liked having a laugh and um, and and not afraid of hard work. You know, even from a young age, I'd be paper round before mm. anyone else, like begging for the paper round. They were like, you're not old enough, you're not old enough. And I'd be like, I'll do it for free then. You know, and then I'll prove myself and then you can pay me if you think I'm good enough. All of that sort of thing. And that's just the nature of who you are. And some people just aren't like that. You know what? Like, especially in the UK now, like the opportunities are as equal as you can possibly get. Like what I mean by that is poor here in the UK is not poor. And I don't get me wrong. I know there's some people going through some real hard stuff, but I, I doubt many people that are struggling that much are listening to this podcast, if I'm completely honest. You know, poor here is I'm struggling to pay my gas and electric bill. That's not poor, right? Poor in Africa, poor in Eastern Europe, you know, all of that stuff. That's poor. That's a different level. And so it's really about marrying that up and sort of understanding the opportunity. So then you've got the nurture you know, the situations that happen in life. And for me, it was probably two things. So number one was my dad dying. And that was when I was 13. So that would have been year eight. Yeah, seven or eight. Yeah, year eight. Seven I think. Or, yeah. yeah, year eight. So yeah, he, he died in year eight. And that obviously horrible. Um, And I remember I was seeing a um, therapist at the time. Uh, you know, try and cope with it all and all that. Yeah. And one of the things she got me doing, which I hated her for at the time, was to write down 100 positive things that will come or have come from my dad dying. And I remember like, what the fuck is wrong with you? You at know, the time, can't think <laughs> of one. Like, what's positive? Well, well like, it, it took me probably about six weeks to actually put pen to paper. And But once I did, I never got to 100, but it, it was maybe like 50 or something like that. And, and, and was realising that actually... Life doesn't happen to you. It happens for you. Now, don't get me wrong. If I could give up everything that I've got now for one day on my dad, of course I'd do it, right? But that's not going to happen. 
So it's understanding, okay, what does it bring me? And and one of the core things it gave me is a true appreciation of life. You know, like we're all going to die, like guaranteed. It's just a matter of when, right? It could be right after this podcast, something happens. Right? You, you just don't know. So my dad was 38 when he died. And so I was thinking like, that's young. That's young by anyone's standards. And now I'm 31. I still think of it every year. I turn 31 on the 7th of November. And I was just sort of like, okay, if I had seven years left, which is what my dad got, if I had seven years left, how would I live it? And so that's one key thing for me is an appreciation for living. And, you know, I'm, I'm really not afraid of dying. I really am not afraid of dying. Don't get me wrong, I don't want to. But yeah. if, I, if I know this is my last year, okay, that would be shit. But I would 100% live. And that's more than most people say. And then on the other side, it is that school as well. So, you know, we we were so lucky to go there because my background is very similar to yours. You know, half my family are on the dole um, yeah. and half my family are sort of, you know, using, working with their hands. And that that's most of the family. And um, which is great. Nothing wrong with that. But it's then going to a school where I, I remember in my year as a kid called Levan and a uh, lovely bloke. And on his 17th, when he was learning, his dad got him a jag. And I was like, what is this? And and there were kids doing like their private pilot license. Yeah, Not because man. they want to be pilots, just because I can. And I remember like, geez, man. Like my mom bought my first driving lesson <laughs> for my birthday. Yeah. And that was it. the rest I had to work, earn them myself. And so being around that, having an appreciation for life, being around people where it's like, I'm sure you remember the kids getting dropped off at school in their their dad's Bentley and stuff like yeah, that. Nuts. And and it'd be like, do you know what? There's a life there. I know life is short. I appreciate life, and I work hard. Like I will work harder. And that was it. I was like, you guys might have money. I never said this to anyone. I was like, you might have money. You know, you might have this, but none of you are going to work harder than me. And that that's where sort of the the real catalyst for me has come from. And 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 the same is true today. Every time I get to the top of my circle, it's not like I disregard people, but I really do recalibrate. I really look at the people around me and go, who 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 do I want as part of my, the next stage of my journey? And half of them, like you, outgrow people. You know, if you're if you're friends with. You know, at school, if I'd be having a bit of a smoke and drinking like all the time, and that's still all they do, why would I still be friends? Like that's not the person I want to surround myself with now. So then I sort of upgrade the circle and get inspired. And you, you should continuously look to upgrade and shrink that circle as you develop. Yeah, I can't remember who said it, but they say you're the average of the five people you're you spend most time with, don't you? And you know, I think I've probably had my bit of a not epiphany, but my motivation come later in life. And I remember it was um, 2018, I think. Yeah, it was, it was 2018 to 2019 Christmas. And that was when I was looking at, you know, how do I get into property? I always wanted to do it. I moved up to Hull in 2017. Property prices, a lot more affordable. You know, I just thought, so how, how do I do it? And I remember sitting down with my mate because he had a couple of buy-to-lets, works offshore. So he had, you know, he had money, but not a lot of time. And he said, why don't you get into property sourcing? I was thinking, what the hell is that? You know, and he said, well, you just find people properties and they pay you money for it, you know, as that's like layman's terms. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, I went researching and I watched the video and it was when you and Dan come on 
you and Dan come on the screen. I think there was a property sourcing like gurus thing. There's about five others like being interviewed, and then you and Dan as well. Um, I thought, fucking hell, they went to school, you know. And then I looked into property sourcing and reached out, and that was it. And once you start immersing yourself with people in that industry, you understand that things can be achievable. And you know, I remember going to some sort of networking meetings and people like, oh yeah, you know, someone offered me 80 grand to, like for a joint venture. And you think, well, does that happen? But then obviously as you sort of go through life and you, and you sort of start proving yourself, then there's cash in abundance, isn't there? And it, it's crazy how much money is out there. And unless you change your mindset and put yourself into them situations and surround yourself with people doing it, you're, you're never going to believe it's possible. Oh yeah, mate. There's, um, it's 100 percent right and it's it's different worlds it's different worlds you know like i've i started talking to um i don't know what to call him not a friend not a mentor but somebody i look up to is got a net worth of over a billion and um i remember <laughs> saying to him about raising finance for projects so one of my key goals now financial goals is to get a hundred million pound portfolio by the That's time awesome, I'm that, yeah so, you know, got four years and he went, well, a hundred million pound portfolio went, yeah, cool. So go, go buy blocks or condominiums or whatever, um, American guy. Yeah, and, uh, is he, is he from the other side? Yeah. He's from the other side of the pool. And, um, and he goes, yeah, just, just get somebody to give you a hundred million. And I was like, get somebody to give me a hundred million. Who the fuck do you think I am? He went, mate, just make a couple of calls. What are you on about? And I was like, a hundred million pounds he went yeah couple of phone calls like what's the issue and it's because <clears throat> the world that we operate in your rules are based around the world that you choose to be in you know and it's like but actually as soon as you say actually i don't want to be a part of this world anymore this is the world and then when you're a part of that world you go do you know what there's a world above that and there's always a new world you know like think think about the the, the guys playing at hundreds of million the elon musks of the world so do you think they're playing the same game as us no it's a completely different game it's like when you're on benefits and you're seeing people that are able to go out for meals multiple times a week it's like they're playing a different game and the people doing that that are then able to play uh, i don't know stay at the savoy or whatever it's playing a different game and so it is the average of the five people that you surround yourself with. And the, the more and more you upgrade yourself, the more you're outside of your comfort zone, the more you're going to feel fear, but the more you're going to feel fear, you'll develop a lot faster and you'll just be able to cope with completely different levels of things that you, you ever thought were possible. I mean, you talk about that 80 grand and it's like, I would, I genuinely would argue raising 50 grand is a lot harder than getting a million. It really is. And the people that I know, they're like, oh, man, getting a million is just difficult Offer people. Why, like, go for 10 million. And by the sounds of it, the people that are above that going, getting 10 million, oh, you're dealing with people you don't want to bother dealing with, get 100 million. And and it, we, I imagine it just gets easier and yeah, easier, yeah, yeah. And easier because it's, it's, it's people with different risks, you know, raising 50 grand. Who's, who's investing 50 grand? It's your mum, your dad, you, you know, somebody that's done really well for himself. But somebody that's investing 50 grand, that, that's their life savings, more than likely. Somebody investing a million, they're, they're a different cat. You know, they're, they're playing a different game and they're investing and understand risk. They don't they don't want to hear from you. Just give me my money back. That's all I care about. Yeah, that's it. They just want the numbers on the spreadsheet. That, that's pretty much it, mate. It's playing a completely different game.
And you notice that when when you're selling property, like sourcing to an individual investor who's probably got thirty five to forty k, you know that that they know that they buy that one buy to that on the mortgage, you know all their costs. They probably have a few grand left over. Trying to, you know, I say persuade or 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 sell that property to an individual investor, as opposed to selling a block of twenty apartments to a real estate fund. The real estate fund will drop, you know, 1.8 mil cash within three weeks, as long as it's the spreadsheet numbers show. But then getting that one individual to try and spend 35k of their life savings on one property, knowing that, you know, that's a lot of their gone. It's it's the same sort of thing. You know, it's about that element of risk for that person, individual or company organization. Um, I want to touch on you've used the word a game a lot. And uh, I was watching one of your YouTube videos and you said property is a game of the mind. Yeah. So I'm interested to know more on that. Like you say, a game. So, you know, what do you mean by game of the mind? Are you who you're playing? What are you playing? So it's all a game. It's all like like life is a game. We're like we're we're so like pathetically small in the grand scheme. What I mean by that is like we're all nobodies. Right. And I mean that from a really positive the queen. When she was around, nobody. The king now is a nobody. And I don't mean like in relation to each other. I mean in the like how infinitesimally small we are to the universe. Like nobody, like when we die, no, nothing's remembering us. You know, the, the greater being, whether it's God you believe in or uh, some scientific thing, it's like you're, you're nothing in the grand scheme of things. So people take themselves so seriously. It's unreal. And it's like, it is a game to be played. Sometimes you're going to win. Sometimes you're going to lose. Think of it as a big game of poker, you know, just a bit more educated gambles. So people, when I say a game of the mind, what I'm talking about is that positive game, first of all, and having a great mindset. How much money you make, it is it is a complete mindset. If if you're a complete beginner right now, say, say, say uh, one of you guys listening, um, you've never done a property deal. What is to stop you getting, I don't know, six months of completely immersing yourself? Like, okay, let's make it up. Let's say you went on the dole for six months and you spent six months volunteering for the biggest, baddest guy out there that's doing like the minimum deal they look at as a 50 million pound deal. And you spend six months with that person learning inside out. And then you went to that person, listen, I'm going to go out and find my own deal. It's going to be 50 million pound. I will do absolutely everything from what I've learned from you. Would you join venture with me? And on the first one, I'll take 10% of the profits. You'll probably find somebody that will go, yeah. And it's like, cool. But because of our mindsets, we go, no, 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 no. We go, I'll get a buy to let first. And I'm not saying it's bad, by the way. Yeah. But then we did another buy to let and another buy to let. It's like, why? Once you, if you, if you bought a block of five apartments that's existing, Let's say, why not buy a, a block of 500 apartments? Like, how different is it? In fact, you'll find it so much easier um, to do because you'll get funding by the big players in there. And in fact, at that level, the big players want a joint venture with you. I'm talking like the banks, the private banks. Are sort of like They'll join venture with you on it. So it's like, what stops you isn't the availability of education because that's there. It's not, will somebody invest in you? If you're not an investable person, then that's on you. 
So really, it's mindset. Because the spreadsheet's the exact same. It's just a few more zeros at the end. So that's what I mean by game of the mind. Like when, when you can manage your emotions, you can manage your mindset, you manage your diary effectively, the only thing stopping you is how many zeros on a spreadsheet that you can stomach at one point and, and, and the risks that you're willing to take on. And I just think like in our country, the risk is so small. Yeah. Like it, like people don't get it. So we operate under a limited company structure, right? Let's say you don't do anything illegal or overly dodgy in that limited company. You can go bankrupt. You can go into liquidation. And then is it six years and a day or something like that? It, it never happened. It's gone. It's not on your credit file anymore. And you can start again. Like if you fuck up that royally, you can still start again. Like if you play out, let's say however many millions I've got, let's say I lose it all absolutely lose it all what happens let's say i have to go on the dole i have to claim benefits i don't want to but if i had to the country provides me with a house and and i'll be helped out financially like that's that's the risk of the downside and people will not take action on their dreams because they're terrified of that downside it's like how different is your life from somebody claiming benefits. Do you know the benefit they've got is time. It's like, the, but the rest of you that are scared to take action, I'm guessing you live in a house. I'm guessing you want a better house, maybe. I don't know. You probably have a car. And it's like, my, like I said, my family have own benefits. One, 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 one of my family members got four kids on benefits, got TV in every room. They've got Sky, got a yeah. car. You know, she'll moan every now and then about not being able to afford the petrol. But the life ain't that much different <laughs> from everyone else. So it's like, if you're going to choose to be average, honestly, just go on benefits. I know that's a really weird thing to say, but if I'm going to choose just to be average, just go on benefits and at least read a book and chill a little bit. And people can say I'm out of touch. Like I said, half my family's on benefits. It's, it's not bad. And it's like, or choose to throw yourself at life, choose to play the game, choose to give it your all, choose to live and hustle and then see what outcomes you get from it. No, I totally agree with you. Like you say, the risk, once you strip it back like that, I've never really sat back and looked at it like that. But when you say about people being on benefits, like TV in each room, Sky, like, again, my family are the same. And I see them, I think, have you got that nice car? You've got TV in every room, 50-inch, you know, Sky in every room. You think, fucking hell, it must cost you a fortune. But they don't pay it, do they? Government pays it. Well, that that's it. Like, ultimately, the taxpayer's paying it. And, like, yeah. it's... Now don't now don't get me wrong. I'm not making out. It's a life of frivolity. They're not going to the nice restaurants and stuff like that. But genuinely, they're eating. They get a takeaway every week. They got sky in each room, you know. And it's like, if you look at the life that the average person does, it's like honestly, how much happier would you be if you could just chill, play Xbox or PlayStation all day, read books what you want? It's like, yeah, but it's having that time, isn't it? And I think there's a trade off at, you know especially in the early stages of growing a business, you trade off your time. Although you have, you know, you have your own time, but you're investing all of that into scaling the business, aren't you? So yeah. you don't have that time to probably sit down and read all the books you want or, you know. That's, it's, it's a really good point. The, the, the thing that I would say to people is you're always trading the time for something. Yeah. But, but when you do that, you're trading your time for nothing. 
So like, all right, let's say let's say you're sleeping, let's say 68 hours a week. So you've got 100 hours that you're of awake time. At least when you're hustling for your business and doing something, at least you are trading some essence of value, you know, and we all need wind down time. We watch a film, but you're trading your time then to be entertained. And it's like, but if you do that all day, every day, that is not a life. And very yeah. quickly, you're just going through random films, random TV, and it's just shit. So it's like, you know, you are trading your time for something. Just make sure it's something that you're proud of. Make sure it's something you're passionate about, something that you enjoy and you find challenging. Because I think happiness is directly linked to growth. You know, when you're growing, you're happy. It's like a car. You know, if you're doing 100 miles an hour all the time, you barely feel it. We've all done it. We're on the motorway and you look down at how fast you go and you're like, oh, fuck. Right. You're so, oh, better slow down. Whereas when you accelerate, when you progress, for example, you feel that buzz. You go from zero to 20 and you feel like a boy racer suddenly. Right. And it's like, that's what life is about. You feel that buzz through progression. And so that alone for me is worth the hard work because the money and stuff like that is just an inevitable outcome. You know, the longer you do it with the right mindset in the right order, you're going to make money like a guaranteed as much as possible if you do it long enough. So if you enjoy it and that progression comes along with it, that that's the main aim. Oh, brilliant. And then it, with growth, obviously, you know, getting out of your growth comes from getting out of your comfort zone and, you know, trying new things, developing, learning. Um, how do you change your mindset? How do you change your mindset and look towards growth? Well, I think I think there's so the mindset like either there's there's this line where either your physiology drives your psychology or your psychology drives your physiology. And essentially, physiology being your body, psychology, your mind. And so if you're the sort of person that's naturally positive, naturally driven, which isn't many people, by the way, um, we were actually wired to be negative. Um so if you're able to do that, you can watch some mindset videos and start taking the actions. Um, if you're not, take action without being motivated. You Like people think you need to be motivated all the time. I'm not. There are countless mornings I'm waking up like, oh, fuck that. I just want to stay in bed and put Netflix on all the time, right? Motivation is bullshit. You don't need motivation to take action. So what you need to understand is that your physiology, your your actions drives your psychology a lot so you you know it's easy to go for a morning walk in the middle of summer when the sun's bright the birds are chirping that sounds really relaxing doing a 6 a.m walk try doing that this time of year it's pissing down my brain it's fucking shit i'm having to turn the car on for five minutes to heat it all up to get all this you know all of that stuff it's horrible that's not motivation i tell you what i'm not waking up pitch black looking outside going Wow, what a beautiful day to do a walk. No, I'm fucking miserable all the way through. The only thing I get out of it is when I'm back in, in the hot shower going, do you know what? I've done it. And I feel that. So your physiology drives your psychology. Um, there's something called the tube test, which is is it's the science of winning. And um, there's something called neuroplasticity. So you can actually rewire your brain. Um, and you can rewire to be a winner in general. And you might have heard like winners win, losers lose, or you or, or sections of that. The rich get richer, the poor get poorer. And it's true. The reason why for all of it is because of these limitations that are set. 
So how do you game the system? By winning. And the way that we win, and they, they do this as a tube test. So they get a tube, they put a mouse at one end and one at the other end, and it's only big enough for one to get through. So they push each other and one gets to there. And you've got a part of your prefrontal cortex and your amygdala that flares up when you win. Goes bzz, bzz, and under a machine, the way you can see uh, your brain, right? And so what happens is they then put the winning mouse against another mouse and it will win. And you put it against another one and it will win and it will win and it will win. Not 100 percent, but it's it's like in the 90 percent chance of it winning. So then they were like they went through a series of tests. But the most interesting one is they said, OK, so winning creates a win. And that's so important to understand because you don't need these big goals. The, the first one is set an alarm and actually get up when you set it. Make your bed in the morning. Go for the walk. Follow through with these basic actions that they're not relying on talent at all. You just need to do it. And psychologically, that creates this wind that goes through. So it flares up the prefrontal cortex and the amygdala. So then they went through the test of, can you create the wind by manipulating the brain? So what they did is got a fresh batch of mice, wired them all up, and then, I don't know what they called electrodes, but they activated these parts of the prefrontal cortex and the amygdala. So it hadn't done anything. It hadn't won. It said, can you create a winner? So they flared it with, like, I'm a winner, you know, in the mind. And then and then they got them competing again. And the exact same statistics, give or take, the, the, the mice that they flared won again and again and again and again. So the final part of this test is human delivery, right? How, how, how do humans do it? And they got, um, I think it was Orlando Magic, the basketball team, got them in three three sets and they were doing a three-point test, which uh, for those that don't know is shooting, getting it in the ball in the hoop outside of the line. That's three points, right? So uh, group A did no practice at all, at, at all. Group B did an hour shooting practice, you know, shooting the hoop, three-pointers. Yeah. And group three visualized it. So they put on headphones, didn't talk to each other. And you see these people sat there. And if you're listening, say so she can't see me doing it, but like just shooting hoops, celebrating it. But there's no ball. There's no hoop. They're just visualizing this. And then they did the three-point test and they put them up against each other. The main thing is, well, the people that did no practice, they just absolutely shit in comparison. But the comparison of people that practiced for an hour versus people that visualized it for an hour got the exact same results. And so it's because they were engaging their brain, their winning mindset. And so if you wired them up, you'd see the prefrontal cortex or part of it and the amygdala flaring up. So you can turn yourself into a winner by getting wins. And you don't need big wins. It is, I'm going to go to bed at this time. I'm going to get up at this time. I'm going to drink X amount of water. Things that you are fully in control of. You can't go, I want a million in my bank next month. That's not directly in your control. That's an outcome of something. And so by driving your physiology first and creating those wins, you're then training yourself saying, I am somebody that follows through. I am somebody that delivers. I am a winner. And then you will win more and more. That's an interesting way. And I guess that's why like manifestation and like say visualization and affirmations are important because you're telling your brain that you can achieve, you can do things, and you are visualizing the win and doing yeah. the small wins. Over time, the small wins become bigger wins. It's like they say when you start out in property or when you start out in anything, you have to do the small things first to then yeah. grow and and to achieve big yeah, things. Yeah, it's, it's it's visualization, affirmation, action. 
So if you think about it in that order, visualization, I'm thinking it. Affirmation, I'm saying it. Action, I'm doing it. And it is your thoughts become words and your words become feelings and emotions. And that becomes action. So it all relates to each other. So visualization, affirmation, action. Amazing. So just a few minutes left, but you've obviously scaled a, you know, a very large, successful portfolio and business. What are the challenges you face in scaling that? Because one thing I've had um, across various guests are staff. Start, you know, staff's difficult. And how how have you scaled the business to where you where you are now? Yeah, um, yeah. I, I always say if you if you didn't have staff and customers, it'd be absolutely fine, right? Um, the 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 issue that you inherently have with people is we're wired to blame other people. It takes a certain type type of individual to take responsibility. So when something goes wrong for staff, they'll blame another staff member or blame me as the boss or blame one of the managers. Same as customers, if they're not getting the results, they'll blame outside of themselves. Education, a prime example, it's really hard to program responsibility in somebody. You're not everyone below it, but you'll have a selection of mentees when it's not going their way. Who do they blame? They're men or their girlfriend, their their boyfriend, whatever it is, instead of going, hold on, what can I do to change this? Same as every other customer. So you've got you've got staffing issues, but that becomes with culture. You know, as you grow, it's it's if you can understand you're the head of the snake, if you like, and if you head in the direction, the rest of your body follows. It's the same with leadership. If somebody is negative in the office, that's your fault. Right. Either you're allowing that to happen instead of going, hey, Dan, can we have a chat? What part of that behavior was acceptable to you? Do you understand how negativity spreads? And it does, by the way, like one person, the whole table will be moaning by the end of the day or week. Right. So it's down to you. It's your responsibility because either you change it or you get rid of it. And, And you have to be like that. Okay, but also you need to be the change that you want. If I'm coming in and people going, oh, morning, boss, how are you getting on? Oh, shit weekend, you know, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, well, why wouldn't they be like it? Whereas if I've had a shit weekend, I'm still going to come in. Yeah, amazing. So excited to be here, man. How's your day going? You know, it's it's you want to instill that change. So, yeah, it is a challenge. And dealing with people is a challenge. But if you're the change that you want to see, that will naturally instill. But it starts at the beginning, you know, what your hiring process is. You know, if you talk about money too early in a hiring process, then you're going to attract somebody that's focused on money. Okay. Um, And it's going outside of that. So outside of staff, you've, um, you've got the typical growth pains in general. So um, as it depends how fast you grow, but naturally, whenever you think you're at a certain level and you push beyond it, you're going to have not complaints as such, but you are going to have more customers feeling your growth, which is natural. You know, if you serve five clients a month and suddenly you're you're serving 15 clients a month, you don't know how communication works at that level. You don't know how. Um, many staff you're going to need at that level. The systems don't work. I'll, I'll give an example of this. In our um, property company, we're doing about 35 properties a month now, um, around 30 to 35 completions a month, um, which is, is great. for your really portfolio or like sourcing? Oh, that's just sourcing. I'm yeah. buying about five a month personally, um, yeah. but that's for, for clients. Now, our system is probably set up for about 25 a month. 
And we've realized that. So now we're needing to relook at our, how do we communicate with customers? Because our target in the next two years is to get to 50, five, zero completions every single month. Wow. So that's going to need a different type of communication. So now I'm looking at the root of, should I, is now the time to have an app where somebody logs into the app? They've got instant access. Hey, can I get an update? Yeah, let me check this for you. You know, just so they can actually chat with somebody from conveyancing proactively rather than phone calls, which you miss each other. Yeah. Then you're trying to call them back and then it's 15 minutes instead of t- I've got three questions. Here they are. And it's really easy to do it. So it's like, that's what I'm looking into now. But in order to learn that, I had to get to this stage. You know, because originally, why would you think you need to reinvent your whole system of communication um, when you're at 20 a month and it's working perfectly fine? So you have those breakages. Along with that, you're then dealing with customer service issues, because in those breakages, you're going to get more people like, oh, I've not had a call for three days. This hasn't happened. That hasn't happened. And then obviously you have to rectify that. But not only do you now need to improve the system, you now need to talk to the client say okay hey i'm really sorry about that this is why it's going through here's what we're doing about that and you're trying to keep them happy while solving the issue so you have those growth pains and then the final one is massively increased costs so when you go through a surge of growth there's going to come with a certain investment in that so right now i'm sat in my podcast room um in the office and this office that we've moved into has space for 50 employees because i think 50 a month with the my other businesses the education business lettings all of that stuff that comes in we're bringing law in-house mortgage brokerage in-house we're going to need this space so we have to invest ahead of time so the the cost of the office is like crazy it's about well crazy for me anyway it's about 100 grand a year hitting out the office to like brand it all properly because I want to make it a great environment. It's about 140,000 plus fat. Um, and then obviously hiring like re- recruitment consultants. We've probably paid out about 70 grand this year to recruitment oh, yeah. consultants. Yeah. And it's, you know, all of those things, suddenly the profit margin has to go like that dive revenue goes up, profit margin takes a dive and then you find that calibration again. And it's what well, that's what people don't prepare for in that growth is in your growth. You're also your, your culture will shift a little. You know, it's harder to keep a great culture when you're getting a new employee every couple of weeks. So then you're going to find that certain people no longer fit in. And a lot of people don't take account of that. You, you always think about new staff. You don't have to take account of who's going to leave. You know, yeah. as, a, as a business owner and the, and the more more employees you've got, you know, there's 30 of us now, including me and Dan, my business partner, is the higher chance that there's going to be people leaving each year. And, you know, the, those are the core things that I find is staffing, culture, recruitment, costs and system breakages. It's a lot more in depth than a lot of the responses I've had from other owners. So uh, it's a good insight. <laughs> and, you know, like you say, to, to grow, you've got to take some hits in some areas and like you said there's there's many areas to take them hits in but you know in order to grow you have to do that and and we've noticed you know taking on staff it does go like that but you know because you get double the time essentially don't you so you should be able to do more with 30 staff you should have 30 the amounts of time that you would if you're doing things yourself so doing all of them tasks you're able to do more things effectively in a shorter space of time yeah. Two two things I'd say on that, like, I think will help people is like if you're making your first hire, just be prepared for the first six months. 
because that first six months is going to feel like, hold on, I used to do all of the stuff I'm doing and all of that job, and I'd have time spare. Uh, spare. Now I've hired somebody, I'm paying out a salary, and I'm still doing everything, and I'm still doing their job. Because it will not be hire somebody and now that's offloading. No. You need an onboarding pro like the first the first couple of months will just be no return on them whatsoever. Onboarding, training, systems, things that you think are really obvious, so you say them quickly once, is not obvious. You've written a system that if they if you're going through the system with them and they need to ask loads of questions, the system's not good enough. They shouldn't have to ask a single thing. So just be prepared for that. Um, and then the final growth thing that I'll, I'll add on that is a transition I've gone into this year is management. When you're big enough to start getting managers in and you've got a certain cohort that are so used to having direct access to you as their boss, suddenly you hire somebody that nobody likes management. No, because management, have to you have to make hard decisions. You have to give yeah. people a bollocks for not doing their job. And so what I found this year is whenever the new manager gives them a bollock in, they go, Jamie, shoot me a WhatsApp. Cool. What's your manager say? This. Cool. Why are you messaging me? And you have to be really brutal with that because you can still be mates. You know, you can still go out for a dinner and stuff like that. But in that workplace, if you start bringing in hierarchy, you have to respect that hierarchy and then work with that manager to instill the culture that you want into that manager otherwise the manager will come in and assume the culture that they are used to and that will screw up a lot you know say say you bring somebody in a small business you want to bring somebody in that's fun but also with a real corporate background because you need to go from an entrepreneur to a business owner you're going to rely on that and so you just need to make sure that you're instilling who you are and the culture that you want in your family, in your business, so that that's not ruined. And that that's definitely a growing pain, to be sure. And how how active are you in the business? Like, there's working in the business, working on the business. But what roles do you you take up at the minute? So you used to do a lot of the, um, the training. Are you still heavily invested in doing the actual webinars and the training for your education business? Um, do you still give yeah. the training on that? Yeah, so that that that, that interesting tra transition from working in the business versus on the business um, is so much slower than people think. It's so much slower than people think. And you've got to decide, like, um, you know, in hindsight, if, if you knew, like if I knew for a fact each business was going to be successful to the level, then maybe I would have not even launched a business and I would have written everything that I think will work. The issue is that's not how business works. You need to hustle. You know, there's two ways to launch a business, either with, with no money or some money, right? And if it's no money, then you have to do the roles and then you generate cash and then you hire somebody. You generate cash, you hire somebody, or usually you get like venture capital funding, you know, all of that sort of thing. We went down the self-fund route we didn't get, we'd never got any funding apart from, you know, credit card at the beginning yeah. for my education, like a lot of us do. So then it's like, right. So it's hustle, hustle, hustle. So that, that transition so much slower. But what I would say is it's a lot easier to transition when you're smaller. And so if I could go back, honestly, I probably would have hired my first manager maybe like three years ago. Wow. Okay. Um, because I still had like, to be fair, like, let's take this, like, we've grown massively. It started this year, there were 12 of us. 
end of this year, there's 30 of us. That's a, that's a huge growth. There's no way I could have done that without management. So, yeah, it's it's a big one. So in terms of my roles, I'm still very, very, very much involved in the day to day. But more and more, I'm pulling out more, out more. So let's take education, for example. Um, I'll do the webinars where I'm doing the sale. But I've done less and less and less of that. So I do a cohort intake, as you know. Like I'm not yeah. like over year. It's I open, I close it. I open, I close it. Last intake, I didn't do any of the sales webinars. But there was an impact on conversion. So I have to accept that. You know, but the more and more I build up the individuals to that, I don't need need to do it. Um this time round, so for my my program, once you've written the program and you train somebody on it and you actually get somebody in that knows what they're talking about the delivery of content you don't need like a master it's more the mentoring so you know i'm still doing a lot of that but the aim by the end of next year is for on my course to be delivering maybe three modules on there and then from the academy side doing the in-person um days from it which is about six days of the year um and then the rest of it is having some really high quality mentors which is hard to find you know and you, you have to you have to pay really good money to get great people um you know because it's it's not 10 quid an hour um to find somebody that great at that level yeah you, you know you're, you're paying probably the equivalent of 500 pound a day um to get somebody good so it's um yeah and then in the property business it's i'm i'm getting involved then getting out so for example there's stuff that should be there in the investor funnel but i'm the only one that knows what i really want but i've got people to manage it once it's there but because they don't know exactly what i want i'll go in spend three or four days really mapping it out breaking it down handing it over training them on it and then i'm out of it and then it's just making sure that when i do pull out of it how do i quality check it you know what bits are in place to make sure it's happening how i want it and then that that's it really so yeah i still i still work maybe 60 70 hours a week like i'm i will do though for many many years i'm obsessed with it and i'd probably say about 25 hours of that week is still working in the business and that's something you need to realize that you only continuously work on the business when you found the level that you're happy with. Yeah. Okay. Whereas when you're growing, I'm not talking like a 5% growth a year. I mean, like the crazy growth that I currently want. You have to understand the faster you grow, the more you are going to be working in the business. The slower the growth, the more you can do your couple of hours a day reports and all of that. Yeah, it's quite important. And, you know, everyone says, you know, I want to work on the business, not in the business, but I like the day-to-day, some of some of the day-to-day, not all of it, you know, dealing with the hassle and the shit. No one likes dealing with that, but sometimes it falls down to you to deal with that to grow because if you've got to, you know, deal with a complaint or you're the one who understands the business the best because it's your business. And I think... Oh, that- no, nobody, nobody's going to be more passionate about your business than you. Like, the, obviously. And why should they? You own it. Exactly. You know, why, why should they? But also, like, people are obsessed with this financial freedom, right? And I get it, you know. But for me, fi- being financially free isn't not about isn't about not working. It's about having that choice. Because if you're an entrepreneur and you you want to hustle, you you go on your beach, 
let's see how long you last on that beach before you're like, yeah. else. so yeah you might be working on this business and that's fine when you've got this business to the level that you want and then you want to maintain you develop great culture you get good managers and then what probably what will happen is you either sell that business or you want to keep that business like, i don't want to sell any of my businesses all right so i want to keep it still check in once a month even when i'm at that level i'll still check in once a month reading reports feeding back all of that but then I'll be working on another business and growing out there. And then I'll work on another business until I no find uh, no longer find that interesting. But ultimately, you know, it, you are going to be working in a business if you've got that entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah, I can never see myself stopping, to be honest. And they like say financial freedom, you know, yeah, you want a lot of money in the bank, but it's about doing what you want when you want. And I think that's the most important thing. Like I have two kids now, you know, and just to be able to, go to their sports days or you know take them on holiday or do the fun things i think that's the important thing for me you know that's the financial freedom i never not want to work if i sit there on an evening i watch an hour two hours of tv i you know i start getting palpitations thinking fuck i should be doing something man what I, do you know what i mean i'm like i need to be doing something because i feel like if i'm not doing something i'm not growing or i'm not you know achieving something but like you say you've got to take them time that, that time to yourself um oh, yeah De decompression time yeah. is really important but you don't need to be doing three hours a day of it. No, yeah, it's exactly every day, three hours a day, every day. Um, listen, you, you, you touched on it then. I was going to bring it up. So your journey to a hundred million. Um, you know how how are you going to get there? What's your, what's it look like? Is it portfolio? So you want to achieve a hundred million pound portfolio, um, twenty five mil equity on that basis, or? Yeah, yeah. So it's so it's th that part of the goal is a hundred million pound portfolio. Yeah. Um. You know. So it's it's the asset value. It, it won't be an equity, but it's specifically property portfolios. Yeah. I've been looking at it, and I'm in two minds because I like you could do developing or commercial conversion, and I'll probably make more bang for my buck. You know, like I'll get an extra half a million, but. What I've ended up doing is I actually I'm making really good money in my businesses. And so I'm going to double down. And I think another mistake a lot of people make is they're making money over here. And then they go and go, oh, I'm going to try and go make money over here as an active income. And doing a development is an active income. Doing a commercial conversion is an active income. Now, I do developments anyway, but I'm developing to sell. So actually, I think what's much smarter is I know how to make money over here. I'm really fucking good at this do more of it and then use that money to go into passive. So yeah. I'm very much, you, you know, I talk about boring vanilla buy to lets. I love them. I love buy to lets. So all I'm going to do is that on scale. So instead, I'm still going to be buying the odd unit, you know, that I like this house and all of that got a good discount or it's got a good return on it. But really I'm going to be targeting blocks. Um, so, you know, like I'm, I'm looking at one right now in West Yorkshire. It's a block of, 47 units for 3.5 million and it's like right cool that looks good the numbers look good and overnight i'm increasing my number of properties units as 47 doors obviously it's one big yeah, unit, yeah. but increasing it by millions at once and all i need to do is a series of that and portfolio buying you know buying a five million pound portfolio it's much easier to get funding on it much easier to raise capital if i need to if i don't have my own money and that's what the aim is to have it as a hundred million pound portfolio overall by the time i'm 35 with my money in it not 
joint ventured yeah. or anything. I feel mine's uh, not as ambitious as yours. So I turned 30 in December. So, well, less than two weeks now. And I've set myself 30 things to achieve in my 30s. So um, just listening to, to yours, I think, fucking hell, I've got to up the ante a little bit. But um, no, to, to be honest, mine, you know, hit net worth millionaire. So it doesn't matter. Like, it's not what I want to achieve by the end of my 30s. It's all like stepping stones. So I've got like net worth millionaire, have a 20 million pound portfolio, do 20K a month revenue consecutively for 12 months and then a million pound revenue. But it, it doesn't mean that, you know, I want to get all there at 39. I, I might want to achieve 20K a month by, you know, 31. And then that takes me to the next one that leads to the million pound revenue across the businesses by 33. So that similar to you, yeah, I'm, I'm setting some goals um, and I think you need them to to achieve. But, you know, you touched on units, then we've changed our strategy. I love buy-to-lets. I always buy buy-to-lets. I think they're a great investment. Um, but yeah, looking at the blocks to, to grow in scale, it's looking at the higher cash flow, higher income. Um, if you do want some in whole, mate, I've got got a few for sale. <laughs> got, Please, got mate, let's in, have a chat. Got them in last week, so yeah, I'll ping them over. That nine point seven five percent portfolio yield it is across the flat, so nice. um, not bad. But listen, I'm you know you've got seventy eight thousand YouTube um, YouTube subscribers. There's a lot of people that's interested in your content. I am, you know, you've not asked me to say this, but I did yours training. I was cohort three. What number are you on now? Cohort eight. Fucking hell. So yeah, fair few. And to be fair, I think that was the best property training I've done. Um, because it's current, it's using modern techniques, you know, social media, you know, sales funnels, building the pipeline, systemization. And I don't think many people out there do that because, you know, they still talk about going into agents and giving them donuts, which I think is a fucking waste of time. I'd never do that and I don't think it'd ever work. Um, you know, there's so yeah, <laughs> it's silly, and it? It's silly what people say. But yeah, if anyone's looking at sourcing, you know, I found you online years ago um seeing what you've done and what you've achieved over the number of years i've been on your training and you know it helped me significantly like a lot of the other people i know in our cohort are doing well i think andreas he was in my cohort he's now working for you isn't he so yeah yeah he's yeah he's done incredibly well he's doing six figures a year um now so yeah i appreciate you saying that mate i feel i feel like a People are going to be listening, thinking I've just slipped you twenty quid under the thing. But uh, <laughs> I'd ask for more like, than twenty. Like, <laughs> yeah, more than twenty is two hundred. No, it's um. No, I appreciate that, mate. And you know, hopefully, I've given some value today. And you know, if it if it goes well and people like the content, more than happy to come back on and uh, chew the fat about other stuff um, as well. But yeah, if if anyone is listening, it's just Jamie York on YouTube. Feel free to go over there, um, check it out. It's all free content, obviously, and hopefully, it adds some value. 100%. Well, listen, I appreciate your time today. I know you're a busy man. So thanks for giving it up. And uh, you know, good luck for the road to 100 million. I'm sure you'll do it probably sooner than 35, knowing you. But, um, you know, I'll be watching. I'm assuming it will be over YouTube. Yeah, yeah, it will be everywhere, mate. Don't worry about that. But no, <laughs> thanks for having me. Appreciate it. No Cheers, mate. Thanks for listening to a whole load of property, business and mindset. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And if you like the podcast, please share it to others. In the meantime, to connect with Dan, follow him on Instagram at dancooper1992. Until next time.